unidentifiable flying object. The UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Fighting the UFO. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be one thing. A UFO. Welcome to the show, everybody. How you doing? This is your break from the propaganda, the bad news, the treasonous politicians. Time to get elevated with me, Ben, and talk about gateways to hell. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. I'm super excited. It's going to be really fun. Um, And uh, I got a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. You know, I mean... I knew kind of about some of them here and there, but not a ton. I was uh, I was actually really surprised when I started looking into it, what I was seeing, and uh, and anyways, super cool. I mean, of course, there's the one that is the literal called the. Uh, hold on, let me get to my place here. The literal gates of hell. Uh, this is what it is. The Darzaza Darvaza gas crater. And it, uh, this is Turkmenistan's Karakum Desert contains what looks like a CGI rendering of a gate to hell. A 230-foot-wide pit glowing red with flames and surrounded by miles of sand. The fiery hole is Darvaza, a gas crater that has been in, in conflagration. What the, what the fuck? Hold on. It's like I'm reading for the first time. Hold on, everybody. What is conflagration? An extension fire, which destroys a great deal of land or property. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So this is what we're going to be talking about. Gates of hell. Gateways of hell. And there's a whole bunch. So anyways, thank you all for joining the show. I appreciate you very much. I'm in the stratosphere, as you could probably already tell. And uh, it's clear skies, baby. If you appreciate the show, if you like the show, please, please, please go share this. Spread us like gossip. Take this URL, splash it everywhere you feel like it. Sharing is caring, so please do so. Uh, Hit that like button, subscribe button on YouTube, Rumble. And if you can, leave a review everywhere you can as far as Audible, Amazon, not Amazon, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. You can do that all those places. And probably some that I'm not even mentioning. But anyways, I appreciate you all. As you know, if you've been listening to the show, every single episode is brought to you by the Tinfoil Militia. Make sure and get involved. Become a member by donating time, talent, or treasure. It's value for value, people. So if you find value in the podcast, just turn that around. Throw it out uh, back in a number to us, time, talent, or treasure. It really helps out. Support the podcast any way you can. Uh, but let's, let's get into it like we already have. So like I said, this one... Uh, Researchers are still completely puzzled by how deep this, uh, this deep crater turned into an inferno. Perhaps the site collapsed during oil drilling, maybe set a blaze to burn off the escaping natural gas, or maybe Satan drilled a hole with his dick in the desert to give us a glimpse of hell down below. And, of course, the strength of Zakak. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch. It's crazy. Um, 
let me get to my show notes. But here's the here's the question, okay? The question is that I ask a lot, what's real, what's not real? Is hell a real place? You know, there's this question about ancient cultures and what they talk about and whether it's, uh, you know, the, these writings are real or mythological, if they're stories. I, I think that it, it's ridiculous to think that these people spent any amount of time carving, uh, you know, hieroglyphics and, and images and stories into stone and granite for fairy tales and mythological story. I, it's hard for me to imagine that. It's hard for me to imagine somebody want, willing to put that much time into, into, you know, cultural stories, fairy tales, unless it was like so important to pass it on, which to me makes it uh, seem like it, it's pro- probably real. So, is hell real? Or is it just a word that describes a concentration of evil? A place of concentrated evil? And this topic is been debated for a long time. Obviously, atheists don't believe in heaven or hell. Um, I'm agnostic, meaning I don't believe anything. <laughs> but I want to believe everything. But to me, seeing is believing. And I got I haven't seen hell, so I, and I hope never to, please. Trying to be a good guy. Uh, but what is hell? What is the thought of hell? Some people think it's a place of torment. Some people think it's Arizona. Uh, some people think it's uh, it's a physical location that you go into. Is is it a is it something to just keep a control mechanism to keep people in line? Throughout history, it's varied. Again, there's cultures that that describe it as an actual place, physical place. There's cultures that make it seem as though it's like the Bible. It could be metaphorical. It could be real. It's very vague. Not really sure. But these entrances to hell, these gateways, these portals, potentially, that makes you think, you know, and the fact that they've been reported all over the world, strange caves, modern sewer systems, all considered to be potential gateways to hell. Like, for instance, in, uh, where is it? Let me see if I have it here. Skull, Texas. Is it Skull? Stull. Stull, Kansas. Why did I say Texas? I'm all wrong. In the stratosphere, I told you. Uh, Stull, Kansas. There's a cemetery, which actually looks really nice. It's very well put together. There's some flowers. There's some bushes. Of course, there's headstones. But it's a very nice put together place. You wouldn't think that it was a, uh, a cemetery. However, this cemetery, uh, there's people that say that the devil appears there. It, in fact, it inspired this fictional movie called Nothing Left to Fear. I've never seen it, so I really have no idea. But I figured, hey, there's a trailer for it. So let's watch the trailer and see, well, what's this shit all about? Here we go. Uh, uh, nothing left to fear based on Stull, Kansas Cemetery, which, again, looks very nice and put together, but apparently uh, the devil hangs out. Here he is. Hello? Anyone here? Just looking for a town called Stull. Wouldn't be the new... Patter, would you? Well, uh, actually, yes. How would you know that? Patter Kingman asked me to keep an eye out for you. It's really nice. Yeah, big change. It's huge. I know, right? 
got a good B movie he feel. He did the right thing, you know. He's really cute. I think he just asked me out. Has the choice been made? Whoa. <laughs> Are you okay? Your Looks servant, like Lord, to commend her immortal soul to your everlasting care. Come forth and claim your offering. Get in the car! So there's some possession. Alright, I think we got it. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Okay, yeah, no, we got it. We got it. It's a it's a bad movie. <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, that's too funny. All right. So aside from like demonic possession and shit like that, which really isn't aside from the name of the town being in the movie, um, it doesn't. I don't know. Anyways, check it out. All the links are in the show notes. Check it out for yourself. Um, anyways, there are a lot of teenagers that go there to drink. It's popular drinking spot. They claim that bottles won't break when they get thrown around, which is a real dick move. Okay, let me just tell you something. If you're a teenager and you are throwing beer bottles around in a cemetery, you're a douche, all right? You're a big, huge, giant douchebag. Uh, anyways, but, and against a church. They were throwing them against the church. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. How, how dare they, these kids? Kids these days. Anyways, legend says that a portal to the underworld is located inside the church ruins. Now, they uh, apparently, because of concerns about safety and preventing uh, adventurers from congregating, the small town of Stoll has seen its uh, fair share of strange incidents. Investigators picked up what sounds like an old woman's voice on EVP recordings, legends say this could be one of the devil's wives who's said to reside in the cemetery along with the grave of their infant son. Whoa. Uh, you know, now, obviously, as I do with everything else, take it for what it's worth. You know, I mean, they are just stories, but what are stories a lot of times based on? Some kind of truth that's been passed down. Uh, maybe there was a lady that like worshiped the devil. And so she said she was married to the devil and then had this kid. And, you know, who knows what happened. But that's creepy. It's creepy that you would hear the woman's voice on EVP. I would, man, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear that. That would be amazing. Uh, legends. Of the underworld. So, not just, this is a really minor, this is more like, like uh, you know, uh, hearsay stories of the devil showing up in a cemetery. But there are some legit, really legit um, places, like this one, um, comes from Greek mythology. And there are, a ton of legends of the underworld from from ancient times. Ancient Greek mythology is huge. Obviously, Hades, character in that, um, character, God. I mean, you know, obviously, it's however you take any of this. 
if you take it for fact, then he was a real person. Hades was a real God. Um, if you don't, if you take him as stories, then it was a character. So, you know, however you feel about it. And I'm going to use these terms thrown around because one, I'm high and two, because that's just, they're interconnected. You know what I mean? So one of these places to the Greek underworld that they say is believed to be this Cape Matapan, Matapan caves. Um, here's a little shot of it that I've got. Again, all the links are in the show notes for those of you just listening. Um, check it out for yourself. But it's an old ruins. You can see kind of an arch. There's numerous pictures online that you can check this out. Um, again, it's Cape Matapan Caves. Um, and I'll have links in the show notes. You guys can check it out. But uh, it's a beautiful spot. But imagine it's a ruins, though. So imagine what was there uh, once instead. So super cool. It'd be, oh man, it'd be amazing. Imagine being a time traveler and being able to go back. You know, that's why I love the theory of future humans being aliens. You know, that what we're seeing, what, what what's abducting people and things like that is actually future humans that are studying, you know, thousands, thousands of year future humans coming back to study like we do with archaeology, except they don't have to dig. They could just see it for themselves. Man, can you imagine being able to just go back there, be, as they say, a fly on the wall? Be so cool. I would love that. Anyways, if I ever get the chance, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, I'm scared of everything, but in a heartbeat, I would jump in a time machine. So, this is in the southern part of Greece, and these caves are considered a back door to the underworld and housed apparently a temple that was dedicated to Poseidon, which makes sense because it's right in the ocean, the Greek god of the sea, and brother to Hades, the god of the underworld. In 2013, archaeologists unearthed what they believed to be one of the underworld uh one of the gateways to the underworld in Heropolis, now located in modern-day Turkey. And I thought I had images of that one, but I don't think that I do. I can get it real quick. Hold on just a moment. Hold on just a moment. Let me try and bring that up real quick. See if I can. Lickety-split. Look at a split. Oh, there's a good one of it. All right, let's see here. I got it, y'all. I got it. All right, so here it is. This is Heropolis, now located in modern-day Turkey, I believe. Super cool. And then apparently this is... Um, and what's amazing is, I mean, it just, it's, man, the ruins. I mean, that, that's what's so crazy, you know, about the, the ancient world, the architecture that was going into this stuff is, is unbelievable. That's why I'm so much more of a believer in the possibility of aliens having interacted with humans back in ancient times and kind of seeded that, whether it was actually through DNA or through technology, um, to give us the ability to do more things. But 
far more than I feel about the modern day stuff. I, I said this in the bonus episode on Patreon. Go check it out, patreon.com slash podcast. Where we have so much more evidence from the ancient world that points to the existence of an advanced civilization. And whether that was passed down through, like I said, either advanced DNA that was seeded through aliens or if it was technology that was given to us, as in methods of archi- uh, ag- uh, agriculture and architecture, you know, whatever it was, it there seems to be some kind of technology at work that, that is advanced. I mean, and there's examples after examples after there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that there that there is technology that was used in architecture and all kinds of things. Whereas now in modern day ufology, there are so many claims of the fantastic with zero evidence. You know, and I, a lot of people disagree with me. Zero evidence. What do you mean? Well, okay, let's be real here. You can't pick up an alien vase. Vase. Like you can when in the ancient world where you can pick up a granite vase. That was clearly made with some form of ancient technology. There's no way they could have done that with copper and hands, copper and stone, or you know whatever they they did. However they did it, I'm dumb, but that's it's it's it has to be. There has to be something there, and that's the argument from Graham Hancock and a lot of these other people. Um, is is there has to have been something there? that's not there anymore that gave these people the ability to make what they made, live how they lived and, um, and tell the stories that they told. There has to be a reason. And, and so, and that as Graham Hancock says, which is amazing, we are a a species with amnesia, you know, which is very true. Um, But anyways, but, I just love looking at all this ancient world stuff. And it makes you wonder, you know, the gateways to hell. Were they really hell or was it portals? And what came from these portals was such an unknown entity that the ancient people that were superstitious and incredibly religious said that they were demons, said that they were devils, said that it was hell, when really it was it was just a portal of light. Maybe it was orange light. Maybe it was red light, so it looked like fire. You know what I mean? It, so it might not have even been gates to hell, but I love how they describe it as that. I just love it. And then you have uh, Pluto's gate, which I know I have an image of Pluto's gate. Oops. Come on now. Give it to me. Give it to me. I know I got it. You son of a bitch. Here we go. Pluto's gate. Pluto's gate. It's just look at the beautiful architecture. Again, all the links in the show notes for those of you just listening. Don't miss out. Check it. Check it out. Um, But... It's just beautiful. I mean, just beautiful architecture, but it's this archway that seems to lead to a wall. You know, just a a vacant wall. 
But this this uh, gateway in Heropolis appears to match the layout of Pluto's gate. So again, we have Heropolis, which is an archway. Uh, oh, wait, no, sorry, I went to the wrong one. Is, is this big arena, almost an amphitheater-style architecture? And then you have the, uh, the Pluto's Gate, which is another very awesome archway. And the theory is, or the stories are, in ancient accounts, that birds that flew too close to the entrance would drop dead instantly which was also noted by the ancient historian Strabo, who wrote that animals which enter die instantly. Crazy. So does that mean, since it wouldn't just, since you had animals that would fly into it and die, does that mean it's some form of electrical barrier that you would have to have a device in order to walk through? How are, the, how are people walking through, but animals aren't? Or maybe, maybe it's because it's hot. Is it because it's heat that these animals are dying? Who knows? But ancient people believed that there were a lot of different entrances. So it wasn't like each one of these is attached to a culture and that's the only entrance that they believe existed. There's a lot of cultures that believe there's a lot of different entrances. And there's a lot of different historical sites and ancient ruins, like we pointed out, that people can see still. And, and like I said, I mean, a lot of these legends, a lot of these cultural folklore is kind of dismissed as just fictional stories or myth, you know, uh, oh, they're parables. They're, you know, they're designed to teach us a lesson. And, you know, I mean, some of these things are so descriptive, you know, like, uh, again, going back to the ancient accounts of, you know, technology and, and, uh, and gods that came down from the stars. And, like, where are they getting that from? Where's the imagination? Why, how are they coming up with that? What, is, what are they referencing? What, how, are they, how, how would they even imagine that these points of light could be alive and come down and interact with them? And, the, and then, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, to me, it doesn't make sense how they could just, in essence, pull these stories out of their ass, out of nowhere. Like, you know, I mean, even today, it, it, it's hard for me to believe that you, any one of us could come up with something, having never seen something before, never seen it before. We can imagine that. And, and I go back to the reference all the time of, Back in the, you know, the days of Roddenberry when they were creating science fiction, you know, the early Star Trek, they could envision everything from personal communicators, the cell phone, to a computer that you can talk to, which is Google and Amazon and and Siri. But they couldn't imagine the Internet. They couldn't imagine it. I mean, maybe they could imagine something similar you know, like email, 
But in those shows, they never reference anything even close to what the internet, a collection, a hub for all the world, all the universe's information. Imagine a world of Star Trek where you have colonized, whole colonized systems and you have an internet that connects all the, all the information from all across the universe. I mean, what we have here on Earth is the collection of all the Earth's information. But imagine having galaxies of civilizations that are feeding an internet. You know, they couldn't imagine that. And so it's, it's hard for me to believe that, that these ancient people, ancient people that we assume did not have the level of technology, that clearly they, they had some form of technologies, but not like what we have now for communication. We assume, right? That's what we're assuming because we don't know. There's no evidence of that. But there's this connection between cultures that seems to exist, the resemblance of portals, the idea that hell and portals exist in almost all of these cultures. And, and yet, we're told to believe that they never met. They were separated by thousands of years, so there's no possible way they could have ever met unless you have lifespans of people like supposedly Noah and Adam and his sons who lived 900, 700 years, well, now you're getting close. Now you're getting close. So that gap of a 1,000 years is a lot shorter when you have people that can live to be 900 years. It kind of makes sense that they were able to pass these things along. They literally were living from civilization to civilization, potentially. But that's what's, you know, anyways, it's, it's weird. And again, ancient Greece is, has the most legends, I think, of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of them, but, but they have some of the most intriguing legends of the underworld. And uh, the Alapa Tri- Tripa Cave is uh, supposed to be the inspiration for it and even the real-life hell. Um, let me see. I don't. I think I have that one. I'm out of order. I don't know what happened. That's Lake. That's Lake Avernus. Lake Avernus. I don't know why I don't have this one. Uh, Apoletropa Cave. So again, this is supposed to be the inspiration for the real life Hades, and it was discovered in 1958. And uh, let me see if I can bring some pictures up. I apologize. Let me see if I can get my poop in a group real quick. Real quick, like. Probably not. Because <laughs> that's not how I do things. Anyways, here we go. Here's some shots of it. Here's a good one. So this is, oh, that's tiny. So it's a little grainy, but 
Uh, that is Caven's beautiful. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely beautiful. Again, I'll have all the links in the show notes. I'll make sure and put all the stuff in there that I found um, while we're in the show. But um, in 1958, a guy followed his hunting dogs who were chasing a fox into this cave, apparently, and he stumbled on a network filled with pottery, tools, weapons, skeletal remains, and some of these suggested ritual practices were carried out thousands of years ago, so I would imagine sacrifices. And, uh, of course, they're excavating it still, but it remains uncertain whether the cave was the actual, what was referred to as Hades, or just inspired the Greek legends of the underworld. But you could imagine, I mean, aside from the water, you could imagine looking at this cave that if it had some fire going in it, it would it would probably look pretty red, pretty orange, you know? So anyways, it, it might be. I mean, that, that would be very interesting to know if it is the actual... Um, reference to Hades. If that's what, if it, if they were actually referencing a physical location, or if they were simply referencing a metaphorical place, you know, like I said, is it something to keep people in line morally? Is it a real place that people go to after death, or is it a real physical location with concentrated evil? Those are the questions, and these are examples of real places that the ancient people claimed were hell. So were evil things done like this one? This one had rituals going on in it. So does that mean that there was concentrated evil in this place? There was a lot of death? I mean, anywhere where there is murder, you can. it's like you can feel it. You know, you can feel the, the, the energy of... Like a lot of people say, something bad happened here. There's a vibe. There's an energy in a place where trauma has taken place. And it can be so powerful that people that are empaths, that claim to be empaths, people that claim to be more than empaths, psychics and mediums and whatnot, claim that they can really pick up that energy and feel, you know, and in some cases, they can even like visually see, they get a sense of what was going on there. And so is that, is that what hell is? Again, going back to something we touch on a lot is what is real? If multiple people, in the case of Slenderman, if multiple people believe it's real and are willing to commit murder in the name of of what they consider to be real, is that real? It is to them, and it was to the girl they tried to murder, even though she didn't really believe in it. But it became real because it was real to them. So imagine a culture of people, an entire culture of people that believe in something like this, that a cave, a physical location that they can see, that they can go to, that it becomes hell. Because an entire culture believes it's hell. Mm. It really just makes you question and wonder, at least me. It makes me wonder about everything, all the stories going back to antiquity. What is real? 
What is real? What is what is what is hell and heaven? And you know, is is it are people looking up at the sky and seeing clouds and believing that heaven is right up there? Are they looking down at the ground and seeing a cave and believing that hell is right there? I mean, it just really makes you wonder. But then you have people that that take it to a whole nother level, you know, of like Christians are very you know, mansions in the sky and, you know, uh, uh, streets of gold and, you know, all these things. Uh, you have other cultures where it's 72 virgins. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody, I, I love the, uh, I watch Supernatural a lot. I love that show. And uh, the idea in, in Supernatural is that everyone gets their own heaven. So whatever your particular heaven is, it's like a, it's like a section in heaven that's just yours, and that's your heaven. And so maybe back in these ancient days when, you know, biblical texts were coming out, a mansion was the, the biggest and best thing that they could possibly imagine. You know, nowadays it would be like, you know, uh, it would be, I, I, it would, for me, it would be the, you know, the Playboy Mansion uh, with uh, pools full of Fruit Loops, and uh, and the grotto would would have like strawberry Jello in it, and you know there might be uh, some you know like uh, like sparkling uh, you know Martinelli's because I'm not a drinker, uh, which sounds really dumb. Uh, <laughs> sparkling apple Martinelli's out of taps dream come true for me and macaroni and cheese around every corner all right that's my heaven oh and i never gain weight that's got to be in there because <laughs> with all that with all the sugar and the fruit loops and the jello and the and the uh yeah the uh, you know i that's got to be in there that's got to be a provision so you know amen that was a prayer anyway so is that the case? Is the, is does everyone and on the flip side of everyone getting their own personal heaven, does everyone get their own personal hell? Is it like all your regrets? You know, around and around and around and around. Is that what it is? Is it is it is it your worst nightmares thrown on you over and over again? Is it, you know, what is it? What is hell? Anyways, it's just it's just such a fascinating topic. I love it. And uh so another one, another place that is really cool is this um Lake Avernus. I showed you a little bit earlier on accident, but uh, Lake Avernus in Italy marks the edge of um their land, apparently the the uh, the ancient Greeks' land, and was believed to be an entrance to the underworld or hell. And of course, the lake—I mean, it's beautiful. The pictures are gorgeous, but it says that the lake has a dark appearance, which is partly due to dead volcanic craters sitting under the water, releasing toxic gases that make birds. Uh, supposedly fly around it. In ancient times, the sight of birds dropping to the ground around the lake would have reinforced the belief that hell resided under the waters. So is that something that was going on 
in the other that other place where they were saying that birds and and animals that would come near it would die was it actually toxic fumes because that could be it could be toxic fumes coming out that's poisoning them as opposed to hell itself coming out and you know grabbing people or whatever it is that they think it could be the toxic fumes and apparently the edge of the water is surrounded by several caves that are said to have been used for communication with the dead. And from there, nightmares escaped the world of the dead and entered people's minds while they slept. Dude, that is a... Look. I'm a modern man. So I know, or I don't believe in that. (laughs) And so that doesn't worry me. You know, like when I go to bed... I don't worry about, uh, you know, these things hurting me, harming me, the supernatural stuff. It doesn't haunt me at night. I can only imagine if I am an ancient person who knows nothing, basically, about any other world but what I can see and where I live, and it is told to me that, hey, around this lake, there's a bunch of dead nightmares that are just going to come out and they're going to haunt your dreams. They're going to haunt your dreams when you're sleeping. I, I can't even imagine the amount of stress and anxiety and pressure that would put on me. I, you know, I just, what kind of life could you have if you were so if you were constantly freaked out about that my god i you know i worry about things like bills and and you know my drive on the way to work i don't want to get smacked you know i i worry about getting robbed at my little shop you know like things like that you know i my god i can't even imagine and these people were dealing with hunger and the and weather and and all and predators it's unbelievable what these people went through i you know i mean it's just crazy to me it's crazy to me the the mentality that these people had and they really believe shit like that i mean really really believe shit like that and so again it comes it comes to the point of okay does that mean that these things really existed because you have an entire culture of people that believed it. So who's to say that when there were deaths, it wasn't because of that? The entire culture believed it was. So does that make it true? Does that make it real? Crazy. There's another place. Uh, Aktun to Nichil Muknal Cave. And I know I'm saying it wrong, but I don't care. Aknun to Nichil Muknal Cave. I do care because I said it twice. That means I, I care. In modern day Belize, regarded by the Mayan people as the gateway to the underworld, rituals including human sacrifice took place in the cave, but unlike the traditional form of sacrifice involving the removal of the victim's heart, While still alive, the Mayans likely drugged their victims and cracked their skulls with a single blow. The skeletal remains 
in the cave have a crystal-like appearance due to the water that runs under and around them. Ooh. The Mayans left those sacrifices as offerings to appease the 12 demons believed to reside in Zabalba, the underworld. These demons were responsible for causing disease, poverty, and death unless they were appeased with offerings. And that, that is a great example of a culture believing so wholeheartedly in this that they were willing to sacrifice to these gods, to these demons, to appease them. That, that's the entire Slenderman thing. They were sacrificing their friend to Slenderman so they could go live with him and the creepypasta people in the mansion. And even though that sounds insane, how much more insane is that? Or, or is it that these people killed people on the regular? On the regular for their version of Slenderman. That's crazy. I mean, there's, there's uh, stories from Mayan cultures of them sacrificing hundreds uh, of, of people. I'm, I'm going to look that up, how many it was actually. Feeding the gods. Feeding the gods. We're going to take a look at this. Feeding the gods. Get out of here. Feeding the gods. Hundreds of skulls reveal massive scale of human sacrifice in Aztec capital. The priest quietly sliced, quickly sliced the captive, whatever. Oh, it goes into the description. The priest quickly sliced the captive torso and removed his still-beating heart. That sacrifice, one among thousands performed in the sacred city of Tenochtitlan, would feed the gods and ensure the continued existence of the world. Death, however, was just the start of the victim's role in the sacrificial ritual key to the spiritual world of the Mexican people in the 14th and the 16th centuries. Priests carried the body to another ritual space where they laid it face up. Armed with years of practice, detailed anatomical knowledge, the obsidian blade sharper than today's surgical steel, they made an incision in the thin space between two vertebrae and the neck, expertly decapitating the body. Using their sharp blades, the priests deftly cut away the skin and muscles of the face, reducing it to a skull. Then they carved large holes in both sides of the skull and slipped it onto a thick wood post that held other skulls prepared in precisely the same way. The skulls were bound for Tanakh Titlins, whatever, an enormous rack of skulls built in front of the Templo Mayar, a pyramid with two temples on top. Crazy, man. Crazy. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Check it out for yourselves. Crazy, man. So much. And that, again, belief and faith. But where did that belief and faith come from? Did it actually come from, did they see the gods at one time? Did someone from that culture lay eyes on their gods and pass that story along and it held so true they were willing to kill for it? 
you know, that's, that's, I think that's the big question is, you know, what did these ancient cultures see? Who were these gods? Oh, yeah, I was on that one. Eh. Uh, so, yeah, so this cave, again, a uh, lot of sacrifices. So, you know, is that concentrated evil? Is that what that means? There were so many sacrifices that it was concentrated evil. And so that's what they were describing as hell. So it's not that it was a gateway as in a portal. It could be. But it seems to be that, to me anyways, that there were so many gnarly things done in these caves that you could argue the energy within them was what was being described as hell. The energy, the vibe, that it felt like hell when they went in there as opposed to it really being hell. And again, what is hell? Is it the gnashing of teeth, the fire? You know, is that what it is? Or is it something else? Is it is it just a con- somewhere that it has seen a lot of evil? You know, like the, the saying, war is hell. A lot of evil takes place in war. That's why it's described as that. Obviously, war is not a place. But war is hell. So maybe that's what that is. It's more of a feeling. And what's taken place, the memory of the place, is what makes it hell. Fangdu, also known as the Ghost City, is a mysterious place located on Ming Mountain in China. It's been around for over 2,000 years and overlooks the Zhang Yangtze River. The city is famous for its complex of elaborately designed buildings, temples, and religious shrines. Legend has it that two Taoist military officials named Yin Changsheng and Wang Fangping achieved immortality and became known as the Kings of Hell, or Yin Wan. This is probably why the city has a connection to the underworld. Ah. During the Tang Dynasty, a temple was built in Fangdu specifically to the underworld and the afterlife. However, due to intense flooding and rising water, the temple complex became cut off from the main city. This is how it got its name, Ghost City, because it was believed that the dead or their souls had to enter the city and pass three specific tests in order to enter the afterlife. If they failed, they would be sent to hell through several entrances that exist there. The first test is on the Bridge of Helplessness, a stone bridge built during the Ming Dynasty. Here, the goodness of the person is assessed. If they pass, they can proceed. If they fail, demons will block their way and fling them into the waters below, sending them straight to hell. The second test is the Ghost Torturing Past, where the king of hell, Yama, assesses whether the soul is worthy of passing. If not, they're sent to the underworld immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The final test is at Ting Zi Palace, where the soul must balance on one leg for three minutes. That is, oh, Jesus, that's so much less. than what those other, those other two are so open to interpretation. You know, like a God is there to assess your goodness 
or assess your strength. And then the other one's like, yeah, just stand on a leg for three minutes. <laughs> My God, what a drastic turn. Failing is a sign of being a bad person and results in being sent to hell. Poor balance. Maybe that's because your chi must be into balance. Huh? If you don't have proper chi, you're a fuckface. Uh, while the ghost city is now a popular tourist destination, some believe that there is a more authentic that there's, there's more authenticity to the legends than just myth. The many unnerving and demonic statues throughout the city certainly contribute to its atmosphere. It's both unnerving and beautiful, making it a unique and fascinating place to visit. Come on downtown. Fantastic parking. And of course, it is, you know, I mean, that's that's uh, the great thing about these places is it does attract tourism. You know, but I would think if it was an actual gateway to hell, a real portal to hell, that uh, maybe there might be more people that go missing around these things. Or maybe they're just not reported. Maybe they're not reported. Maybe that's what's going on. One of the weirdest places that is considered a portal to hell is the uh, tunnel behind Black Prince Distillery in Clifton, New Jersey. I know, who'd thunk? But look at how creepy that place is. I mean, look, for those listening, you've got a tunnel that is made of, it looks like random brick and stone cobbled together, and it's really dark. Zero lighting, looks like it smells like piss. And I'm sure it does, piss and Satan. The tunnels are covered in satanic symbols and contain bones from supposed satanic rituals. The tunnels are even layered to represent these circles of hell. If you're brave enough, you can check out for yourself. Meh. Meh. <laughs> There is a short, let me see if I can find it. There is a short No, no, I I don't have it. Oh, here it is. Yep, yep, yep. Hold on just a moment. Let's see if I can bring it up here. Hold on, I'm not ready for you yet. All right, let's see if we can uh, bring it up here. There's a short video about it. So for those who are just listening, that's a horrible sound. But it's the sound of water in a tunnel, and they're walking through this, uh, this tunnel in New Jersey. The Jersey Underground. Another tunnel? Another tunnel? The water's lower. Anyways, what I'll do is, because uh, that's such an annoying sound, I will, uh, I'll put the, the video in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. It's about 11 minutes. It's from a, a, a channel called The Unknown Cameraman. 
and apparently goes through storm drains in America, and uh, this is the is one of them. Yeah, it's really really creepy place. And like I said, uh, yeah, I mean, it just really looks like it smells like piss. But um, there's the other places. So there's a bunch, you know, as we've gone over several. There's another one in uh, called the Seven Gates of Hell. That's not the right one. Oh, here we go. Seven Gates of Hell. This is one of them. In uh, Hallam, Pennsylvania. And what makes it really eerie is that all but one of the gates are invisible during the day. You have to pass through all seven of them to get to hell, apparently. So here's how it goes. Uh, I thought, it, yeah, Collinsville, Ohio, Illinois. Um, it's a series of old and unused railroad bridges around the town. And the gates are actually the roads that run under them. And according to the local legend, they need to be accessed in the correct order if you want to open the gates of hell, but only if you pass through the seventh gate at midnight. And there's a lot of people that apparently have attempted this ritual, but most researchers say that there is no paranormal encounters that they've experienced at the first gate which is close to the main town, uh, Collinsville. But after passing through the second gate and reaching the twin gates of gates three and four, a lot of people report feeling a sense of uneasiness and even being watched. Local rumors and legends speak of satanic rituals taking place. Again, going back to the idea that if evil is taking place there, is that more of what it is? And that could be a lot of what people are feeling. They're feeling a sense of urgency because there was bad things that happened there. And, and, you know, humans, we just pick up on that energy so well. And a lot of people feel like, I guess, that they feel suddenly sick and that they hear strange sounds like running water. One account tells of how someone was listening to the running water between gates three and four when they suddenly heard the sound of a car approaching the fourth gate. They jumped in their vehicle to leave, but when they reached gate four, there was nothing there. And, of course, there's a lot of stories that lead to ghost sightings, claims, paranormal stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, people find dead animals around the area. And that could be a sense of uh, satanic and occult rituals. There's an account of um, a baby calf being discovered in the area and satanic rituals that took place in a house just after Gate 4 known as the Death House. 
which is also said to be haunted. And that, the death house, I believe, is this, uh, this place that was bought by Zach Baggins from the Ghost Adventures guy, that douchebag. <laughs> and he claimed that the property was infested with evil spirits and even had a gateway to hell. And apparently before he bought this death house, a mother and her two kids used to live there and they reported experiencing some crazy things like the one of the girls, a 12-year-old girl, was possessed by a demon and was levitating above her bed. Her younger brother, who was nine at the time, also suffered at the hands of this malevolent force. Apparently, he's said to have walked on the ceiling in front of his mom. But, you know, this is coming from the ghost adventure, guys. You know, like, have you seen the show? It's not great. You know, it's just a lot of hype. It's so much hype. It reminds me a lot of the UFO stuff. You know, it's just a lot of hype, no evidence. A lot of personal experiences. So, apparently, Baggins investigated the property himself and eventually ended up buying it two years after, or I mean bought it at some point, and two years after purchasing it, he ordered it to be demolished because he said it was a had a dark energy that resided there, and he had to close the portal. So who knows? And apparently the house's remains were moved to a secret storage facility. That's crazy. So anyways, who knows though? I mean, you know, it might, might not be, it might be, but anyways, that's the death house. So that's the house that they're talking about that was said to be haunted. However, there are several houses in the area and it's unclear which one was the death house. I don't know. I thought that was the death house. I could have swore that was the death house. Anyway, so apparently after passing through the fourth gate, you stay on Lockman Road until it merges back into Lebanon Road. And then you continue until you reach South Liberty Road where you find the fifth gate. This gate looks menacing, but apparently there's no paranormal activity there either. But then after you pass through Gate 5, you turn right on West Mill Road, reach Gate 6. And apparently at Gate 6, there's a local legend. Two youngsters crash their car. And there's been reports of a ghost car near the bridge. But, you know, I mean, this is the stuff that I mean is like it's it's really, it's a lot of folklore, a lot of legends, urban legend stuff. Is any of it real? Who knows? But apparently at gate seven, at midnight, if you pass through it at midnight, after having passed through all the other gates in the right order, the gates of hell will open and supposedly hellhounds will be waiting for you at the opening of the underworld. So, hey, I highly, look, I highly encourage everyone. This might be not a good idea. Go check it out. And you know why I'm encouraging that? Because I just don't see it likely that anybody's going to get hurt doing it. I just got a feeling, but hey, I'll take the responsibility if somebody does. Don't do anything stupid like climbing on anything or anything like that. 
I'm saying when I say get hurt, I mean through an actual portal to hell or anything like that. Hellhounds, things like that. But go there. Check it out. If you're in the, where is it, uh, Pennsylvania area, I think. Illinois. Where did I get Pennsylvania from? Anyways. couple other places uh, ways away. There's one in uh, County Donegal, Ireland. The other one is uh, under Hauska Castle. Yeah, this one on Station Island in Ireland. Whoops, that's not the right one. Station Island. Look at it. It's just beautiful. You got like a, a church tower. You got an old church there, some gravestones. I want to go to Ireland so bad. Anyways, apparently in this area, Station Island, there's a portal to hell. According to one legend about the Irish St. Patrick involves Station Island, a speck in Ireland's Lough Derg. According to the legend, after Patrick had become frustrated with his doubting followers, Christ appeared to him and guided him to a cave on Station Island. Inside the cave was a pit, which was the gateway to purgatory, where the souls of the dead must endure punishments for their sins before entering heaven. While there, Patrick also believed, also received visions of the torments of hell. From the 12th century on, Station Island has attracted Catholic pilgrims looking to sit close to purgatory. In 1632, the Lord's Justices of Ireland ordered the cave closed, and most of the records of pilgrimages um, prior to that year were destroyed. But we do know that the pilgrims would fast and pray for days before spending a full day shut inside the cave. Oh, so that's a good idea. Put yourself into a very vulnerable state having not eaten or drank anything and then go in there and chances are you're going to probably hallucinate. Or you're going to work yourself up into a frenzy. Despite the cave being shut, the pilgrimages, the pilgrimages, <laughs> what? I thought I was saying it wrong the first time and then I said it exactly the same way the second, continued unbroken, Modern pilgrims can still visit Station Island for three-day pilgrimages during which they must keep a 24-hour vigil while fasting on the island. And then, like I mentioned, Hauska Castle. This one's got an interesting story to it. So, it's first of all, you, it's a pretty eerie place. So, the pictures are pretty creepy of it. It's this really big place. It's got some outbuildings on it, surrounded by forest. Really old. It's like a, it's like a square building, square house, but it's got a, a core to it that's that uh, does is is uh, empty. So it's like a it's like a a hollow square, and the house is you know. Anyways, again, links are in the show notes. The picture is much better than what I can describe because I'm dumb, but. It was built in the 13th century on a cliff in Prague's countryside and was strangely isolated from all trade routes. Even weirder, it had no source of water or fortification. Some believe it was built to keep evil out instead of 
letting it in. According to local folklore, there was a crack in the limestone beneath the castle that was believed to be a gateway to hell. Demonic beings were thought to emerge from it to feed on villagers and drag them back into the abyss, never to be seen again. The legend goes that prisoners facing the gallows were ordered full pardons if they agreed to be lowered into the bottomless pole and report on what they saw. The first man to do so emerged with white hair and in total terror. The castle's strange history doesn't end there. During World War II, the Nazis took it over and conducted occult experiments there. Go figure. Everything comes back to the Nazis, man. I feel like every single episode, the Nazis are brought in. Why? Because those motherfuckers were in everything. It's just crazy to me how much is connected to the Nazis. It, it just blows my mind. Again and again and again on this show, we have highlighted dots that you can connect back to the Nazis. It is truly unsettling. It said that top Nazis officials, including Heinrich Himmler, who, for those of you that are not familiar with Heinrich Himmler, this was, as they say, a true baddie. True baddie. Know thine enemy, people. That's why we read this. Heinrich Luptold Himmler. Leading memory of the Nazi leading member of the Nazi Party of Germany, Himmler was one of the most powerful men in Nazi Germany and a main architect of the Holocaust. As a member of the Reserve Battalion, whatever, anyways. He did some bad stuff, man. Really, really bad stuff. Anti church struggle. I don't know. There's a lot here. Final solution. Dude, he was a bad guy. Real bad guy. Again, I'll put all the links in the show notes. You guys can check it out. But that's the place, and that's the guy. Apparently, he attended dark ceremonies at the castle in which they attempted to harness the power of hell. Despite its dark past, Hauska Castle is now open to the public. Oh, good! Oh, good! And visitors are often intrigued by its unusual architecture and the eerie fresco paintings in the chapel. One painting in particular depicts a creature from the upper bo- or with the upper body of a human woman and the lower body of a horse. Mm, my kind of lady. It's definitely not a place for the faint of heart. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. So then you have, oh, we already went over that one. That was the uh, St. Patrick. Now you have the Gaiman Gate. Chong Queen's Ming Mountain is haunted. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Fengdu Ghost City. And this is the temple that we talked about. This is the temple. Dedicated to tales of the underworld influenced by Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. There is the Luau Lua O Milu in the Waipo Valley, Hawaii. 
if you visited Hawaii's Waipo Valley, a paradise of waterfalls and black sand beaches surrounded by cliffs, it's doubtful that you would think, oh, this must be a gateway to hell. However, according to ancient Hawaiian folklore, Waiapio, or however you say it, is the access point to Luau Milo or the land of the dead. As the story goes, the souls of the deceased leaped into the tall sea cliffs to enter an underworld ruled by the death god Milu. As for the precise location of this Hellgate, you won't find it on Google Maps. The portal is now allegedly hidden by black sand. Go digging! Go digging! Hawaii! There's Osorezan! If hell was a place on Earth, it might be Japan's Mount Osori, a pilgrimage's site, pil- pilgrimage site that translates to the Mountain of the Dread. This active volcano was believed to be a gate to Buddhist hell for centuries. Osori's dreadful appearance adds credence to the story. The barren stone landscape looks like an endless graveyard broken up by foul-smelling pits of bubbling yellow sulfur. What's amazing is the pictures are gorgeous. The pictures are beautiful of this place. So they're just like, the way they describe it, obviously I've never been there, but the way they describe it is just like a graveyard full of foul-smelling pits of bubbling yellow sulfur. But then you look at the pictures and you're like, that looks like a wonderful little lush beach. I don't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) Oh, crazy, man. It's crazy. Hecla Volcano. Hecla. Southern Iceland. It's an active Icelandic volcano with an imposing appearance and fiery pools of lava, which is funny because in the picture it's covered in snow, making it one of the world's most dramatic portals to hell. Medieval Christian monks wrote that the volcano was a doorway to the inferno as well as the internal prison of Judas. Hecla has erupted more than 20 times. And witnesses have claimed to see the souls of the damned flying out along with hot ash and smoke. Um, That is rocks. Be cautious. That is not souls. Uh, Those are hot rocks that uh, if they land on you, they will hurt. I don't think they're souls, but maybe. Maybe they are. (laughs) Maybe they are. I I don't know. Maybe. Then you have Hell's Gate. National Park. And I actually, I live in an area, we have Hell's Canyon. And uh, I thought, when I looked at this, I thought that it was Hell's Canyon that they were talking about. But this is Hell's Gate National Park in Rift Valley Province, Kenya. And I was very surprised because uh, Hell's Gate National Park here in Lewis Clark Valley is not in Kenya, obviously. Anyways, uh, this is a national park near Nairobi. Proudly calls itself Hell's Gate after the nickname given to a break in the cliffs by British explorers in 1880. They stole our name, those bastards. Fittingly for Satan's lair, the park is a hotbed of geothermic activity. 
Volcanoes belch out plumes of steam, and the grounds are marked by ash and sulfuric hot springs. Vultures and buzzards whiz around the towering red cliffs and Hell's Gate Gap, adding to the park's satanic atmosphere. Then you have Lactus Curtius, Rome, Italy. The Roman Forum is one of the Italian capital's most popular attractions, yet the majority of sightseers have no clue that they are treading near a gate to hell. Look for a pit called Lucas Curtius. A tablet surrounded by rubble surreptitiously marks this entrance in the netherworld. The ancient historian Livy wrote that an oracle foretold Rome's doom unless citizens sacrificed what was dearest to the city. A chasm to hell opened up and soldier Marcus Curtius marched or charged in because he realized the Roman legion was of greatest value to the city. Curtius' sacrifice, Curtius's sacrifice saved the people and a carved stone of his armored figure now sits at the mouth of to hell. Fascinating. And again, I mean, what are those stories based on? Is it, is it, is it is that metaphorical? Is that a, a, a parable? Is it just a story, a tale? Or did it really happen? Did something like that happen? Was there some kind of hole, some kind of portal that they marched through that instead of taking them into hell, did it take them into Another another dimension. Did it take them into another universe? One man's hell is another one's paradise. You know what I mean? Then you have Cave of the Sibyl in Cume, uh, Naples. It's described by Virgil over 2,000 years ago in the Aeneid, which, uh, let's see, the Aeneid is a book Publius Virgilius Maro, known as Virgil, was born near Manta in the last days of the Roman Republic in his comparatively in his comparatively short life, he became the supreme poet of his age whose Arnid gave the Romans a great national epic equal to the Greeks celebrating their city's origins and the creation of their empire. So that's what it was. It's a book of his poems, apparently. So he had... In the Aeneid, the, he quotes, The gates of hell are open night and day. Smooth the descent and easy is the way. According to the poet, the Trojan hero, Aeneas, met the oracle Sibyl here and she guided him through the cave into hell. In 1932, after centuries of searching, explorers finally uncovered this entrance to the netherworld. Today, visitors to Kumei Archaeological Site can go inside Sybil's cave and walk through her coffin-shaped rock-cut passageways. It is fascinating. Fascinating cuts. I'd love to go to all these places, all of them. 
And please, if you ever been to any of these, let me know. I would love to have a conversation about that. It'd be fantastic. Then you have Mictlan, Mitla, Mexico. For the Aztecs, Mitlan is the place of the dead that consists of nine levels ruled by two skull-faced death gods. You can get a glimpse of the Aztec underworld at Mitla, an archaeological ruin formerly called Mictlan and located near Oaxaca, a city known for its vivacious Day of the Dead celebrations. With bright red painted walls and dozens of tombs beneath the rubble, Mitla certainly looks like a gateway to hell. And you have the Gates of Guinea in New Orleans. Louisiana. Voodoo mythology says that the dead are sent to a purgatory called Guinea before continuing to travel to the deep waters of their ancestors. Some believe that powerful voodoo masters can open the seven gates to the spirit world. It's funny how that number seven pops up a lot. The seven gates to the spirit world and reclaim the souls of the dead or turn them into zombie-like creatures for nefarious purposes. The Gates of Guinea is said to be found in the graveyards of New Orleans, perhaps at the tomb of voodoo queen Marie Laveau in the St. Louis uh, Cemetery. I thought I said St. Louis wrong. Is it Louise? St. Louise? St. Louis? I'm not sure. And this one says those making the journey to Guinea must open all seven gates in sequence and appease the Lao or spirit guarding each one. Fascinating. Fascinating. And then, of course, Pluto's Gate that we looked at. According to storytellers, Turkey has an opening to Greco-Roman hell called Pluto's Gate. Toxic mists waft out from the pit, sending priests into hallucinations and causing some to die. Pluto's Gate was written off as a fable until it was unexpectedly discovered in 2013. Archaeologists uncovered a carved arch opening in the Temple of Pluto, which fumes with fumes spewing from the thermal springs deep below. These carbon dioxide vapors can kill birds and other small animals that get too close, hence why the ancients were saying that. I mean, there's just so much. There's so, there's so many. There's so many. It's crazy to me how, how many, you know, one, I mean, it, it's crazy to me to think how, again, touching on what is real. This was real to these people. Hell was real to these people. These places that were gateways to hell were real to these people. The gods were real to these people. So real that they were willing to sacrifice hundreds, thousands of people, as in the Mayans' cases, to appease these gods. So again, what is real? Is real simply belief? Because that's what it's starting to seem like. It's starting to seem like what's real to me, enough to make me believe in it, 
that if I can convince you that you believe in it too, and so on and so forth, can we conjure these things? Are these things real? Again, going back to the question in the very beginning. Is hell real a real place or is it a place of concentrated evil? Or is it just a word, a concept to control people? And it's worked. I mean, think about that. Think about how many religious people believe. I mean, look, even <laughs> it's not like I want to go to hell. I want to go on the highway to hell. <clears throat> but, I, you know, it's not like anybody wants, I don't know. I mean, maybe people want to go to hell. Satanists. Again, it, what... Hell seems to mean something different to each person. It seems to, like heaven, it is based on your own interpretations of what good is and what evil is. And, and if, you're, if, you, if you truly believe that it's a real place or not. I mean, it's all based on individual perception. And then these cultures... It's just really fascinating to think what it what it could be, what hell really could be. And is hell just another dimension that people automatically assumed it would lead to a bad place, that these portals or gateways that they would would automatically lead to a bad place. Maybe not. Superstition and religious belief guided a lot of those thoughts. But again, I feel like these ancient cultures, specifically ancient cultures, and I'm only assuming because I don't know, but I'm assuming that in order to take the time to carve these things into stone and granite, that there had to have been some truth to it. I, I just can't imagine spending that much time on something that was a fairy tale. You know, it would be like it would be like our civilization carving, taking the time to carve Cinderella into stone to pass on to ancient cultures. Why? Why would you not want to pass on our knowledge, what we learned about ourselves and technology? And that's what you would want to pass on, right? So isn't that, doesn't that make more sense that that's what these people are, are telling us? Is they're telling us these places, these things actually existed at one time? Now, what changed in our world? Is it belief? Is that what changed? That we don't believe in these things anymore, so therefore they don't exist is that why we don't see them? Makes you wonder. And, you know, like with the, you know, UFO topic, I highlight all the time that mass, not hallucinations, but, but certainly um, 
people convincing others that what they're seeing is what those people are seeing. You know, like I'm going to convince you that what you saw was what I saw. And and this happens a lot in, in group witness testimony. This is why they separate witnesses in a case. It's because it feeds off of each other. Witness testimony is the most unreliable. You get a bunch of people together and it it you know it's not sure what everybody starts talking about what they saw their different perspectives and it all starts to bleed together but these stories and beliefs and and legends are so specific i just can't imagine that they're not uh that they're not real so anyways i i just i just can't believe that they're not real so that's what i think i think that they're real I think what they're talking about is real stuff or at least aspects of it happened and and influenced the stories and then the stories became more exaggerated and more fantastical as time went on. That could be. But I feel like the basis of it, there's something there. And I want to go see these places. I want to feel what it's like in these places. I've... You know, I don't want to feel anything. I, you know, like I don't want to feel bad. I don't want. To, I don't want to go to a place and feel like I'm in hell. But I also, I, I want to know what that energy is like. Is it heavy on you? Like, you know, again, I've never had an experience like that or any other. So I'm curious what it feels like. That energy of evil. What does it feel like? Is it really heavy on you? Is it is it uh is it sad? You know, I mean, what is it? What kind of energy? Anyways, I'm curious. I'm curious. And you know, like I always say, like I always say, I'm curious to know what you all think. What do you all think about hell? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's just a word to, to for control? Or do you think it's a a a, a feeling? I'm very curious. Very curious what you think. But now, it's that time where I get to give the shout-out. I am privileged and honored to give shout-out to the wonderful members of the Tinfoil Militia that support this podcast with their monetary donations. Again, time, talent, and treasure. These are the badasses. Here they are, the Tinfoil Militia. I love these guys. I believe I see Militia. And gals. Tinfoil Militia. Stop, militia! The tinfoil. Militia. I joined the militia, but why would you? What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Casey and Liz Armadillo, wonderful people, helping me out with the merch stuff. Michael Ralston, love you, dude. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. Matthew Morfitt, sir, thank you. Jet Life Teague, Rihanna Eckhart, and Brian, newlyweds, congratulations, you two. Edwin Everhart, go check out his podcast, uh, Strange Circumstances. Aaron Rice, the OG designer tinfoil hat wearing Aaron Rice. Jesse... Carlton Turner, thank you, sir. Michael Benavides, Morgan, and Nathan Boldly Gone Higby. I love every single one of you. You guys and gals are the best. You're the best people ever. You just it, it's it's amazing what these people do for us. With uh, again, they're the I mean, 
for a long time now they've been supporting the podcast and i appreciate that very much um get out there become a contributor don't just listen to the show contribute to the show time talent and treasure um that's what it's all about it's value for value so uh you know if you find value in the show whether we make you laugh whether we make you think whatever it is help us out you know i always want to add new things make the show bigger and better all the time um, and I can't do that without your help. Uh, again, with time, talent, or treasure, any one of those things. Uh, you can follow me, Ben Austin, on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the show on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. I love to troll Stephen Greer. I love to troll uh, Gary Nolan. I love to troll all these people. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm hoping I get blocked by one of them. That will be the best uh, thing ever. I can't wait. Uh, Join us live every single Friday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard. Chat with us on the YouTube or, of course, join our Discord. Keep the conversation going there. You can also email us, Iwanttobelieve115 at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail or text, 208-477-1288. Again, time, talent, treasure. Be a contributor. Get bonus episodes at patreon.com slash podcast to put out a bonus one every single week right alongside this one. The regular episodes. Follow us on, uh, as I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Get swag. Become a member of the Tinfoil Militia. And remember, stay elevated. Keep your eyes to the skies and watch out for the government. They're shoisty bastards. We'll see you next week.